and I got a life jacket on. So as I go into the water, I try to duck down underwater, but that damn life jacket brought me back up and the jet ski hit me in the face. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I am still all jacked up and fired up about what we are bringing your way in just a matter of minutes. This could be the biggest episode of ATB of all time. A very special conversation with the immortal one himself. Hulk Hogan is waiting. It's about high time I bring my co-captain into the equation. He's grinning as big as I am because Uh, of the conversation we just had. Vic Joseph, how are you? Um, um, I, I don't know how I'm doing right now, man. To be You've clearly reverted to a state of 11-year-old <laughs> self. I feel like I'm a, I'm an, an eighth-grade girl back in the 90s getting ready to go see and string Backstreet Boys, maybe even Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. I am why, whoop, why is on another level. An eighth-grade girl because eighth-grade Vic Joseph was just as excited oh. about NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Uh, it's True. WrestleMania season. <laughs> True. We, we landed the biggest fish we could land in the Tampa Bay region. Hulk Hogan, what an awesome conversation. Learned some things I'd never heard. Heard some stories that I never get tired of hearing. And even threatened my me with my mom kicking my own ass at WrestleMania, which we'll get to later on in the show. Well, Hulk Hogan obviously solved all of the world's ills and probably oh, could have wow. solved a few problems before they got out of control. But Vic, before we get to the Hulk Hogan conversation, uh, lots to get to. Big things coming for the ATB faithful because next week, ATB is proud to present a week-long celebration of all things WrestleMania. We kick things off next Wednesday. We're going to have Hall of Fame inductee Rob Van Dam. Also, prior to the biggest matchup of her career, the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair will join the show. You have to subscribe. We're going to be dropping stuff all week. Not only that, our ATB crew is going to be on the ground WrestleMania week with your favorite superstars with our ATB audio diaries, which will be coming your way very soon. So as Corey said, if you haven't followed, you need to subscribe to After the Bell. There's no better time and to join the conversation right now, the biggest week of the year for the biggest event in live entertainment, WrestleMania. Click your subscribe buttons right now. Lots of conversations you're going to want to hear. Vic, there's a conversation you and I need to have because as of this past Friday night on SmackDown, the main event, the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania looks very different than just a week ago. It certainly does with Daniel Bryan and Edge and and Roman Reigns. And this is what you and I have talked about for several weeks going back and forth. When you think you know, you don't really know because there's always twists and turns on the road to WrestleMania. And I'm excited for all the players involved. It's as big as it can be, a huge new main event. And again, I find myself jealous of you because you will be sitting ringside calling this triple threat match. And the magnitude of this matchup is so crazy. I actually... I wish I had saved it because I should give credit to someone on the internet who brought this to my attention. But think of this. Roman Reigns, just a few years back, had a battle with leukemia. Daniel Bryan, a few years back, was forced to retire because of concussion issues. Edge, even further back, was forced to retire because of his neck fusion surgery. Now you fast forward three top-tier superstars, elite-level superstars, competing on the grandest stage of them all for the richest prize in the game. This is a story that you couldn't have written. You couldn't have planned this. Yeah, I, I didn't. I guess t- t- I'm caught off guard because I never connected those dots until you just said it to me, which adds another layer to the onion of this match, which makes it even bigger 
maybe in some people's eyes, at least to me, it does. And it's cool because all these stories are so unique, Graves, to me. You have the Roman Reigns coming back at SummerSlam, you know, with Paul Heyman, different side of Roman Reigns we've ever seen. Edge is back in this mindset after nine years. And now you have Daniel Bryan, who is speaking truth a lot of the time. And you know him better than I do. This could be his last WrestleMania as a full-time competitor. This could be his last chance to main event WrestleMania. And if you've gotten to know him as I have a little bit, this is all he's ever dreamed and loved for his entire life. Now he has a family. Now he's seeing it from a different side of things. It's three different pieces that are very unique that are going to be meeting. And it's pretty special once you start to break it down and think about all those layers to this match, at least for me. I completely agree. And I think it's a cool little wrinkle to the story that Daniel Bryan has potentially, as you said, one final opportunity to live at the pinnacle of this business, uh, the main event of WrestleMania. He did it at WrestleMania 30. Could we see history repeat itself? Edge has been at the top of the mountain. Roman Reigns is the dude on top of the mountain. He's going to be the flag bearer for the foreseeable future. This could go a bunch of different ways. I think it's very exciting. I'm optimistic. I think uh, WrestleMania is going to blow a lot of people's expectations out of the water. Oh, and by the way, there's going to be a live, rabid, rocking crowd at Raymond James Stadium. What are you expecting? 25,000, 30,000, not the number, whoever shows up. The energy that will be in Raymond James Stadium on that night is, on a lot of different levels is going to be outrageous. It's going to be memorable. It's going to be amazing. That's one of the things I'm personally looking forward to is just to have the WWE Universe back amongst us. It feels like we're a family again, so to speak. It feels like everybody is back where they should be, back right. where they belong. And somebody who is certainly no stranger to the WWE Universe, no stranger to the bright lights on the grandest stage of them all, no stranger to world championship competition on the showcase of the Immortals. He is the Immortal One himself. Please welcome to After the Bell for the first time ever, Hulk Hogan. Hulk, first off, thank you for hanging out with us. Much appreciated. You know, Corey, the first thing is Hollywood, okay? Well, Hollywood, we are very excited for you uh, to grace our presence. We are right around the corner from WrestleMania 37. You were there from day one. There are very few names as synonymous with WrestleMania as Hulk Hogan. Does it seem real? <laughs> 37 years? Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't seem real, Corey, because I started here in Tampa. I mean, huge wrestling fan, you know, going to high school and stuff. I played sports. I mean, then I rock and roll band to make money and, you know, you know, the whole deal with the music. And everybody knows the first day I went down, they broke my leg and said, don't ever come back. Hero Matsuda. Yeah, Matsuda. Yeah, and we became really good friends. He went to Japan with me when I was going 22, 24 weeks out of the year, I was spending half my time in Japan for a lot of my career. But to come back to Tampa, where this all started, WrestleMania 37, you know, I mean, I started in 77. And to come back here into my hometown, you know, and to have Titus with me, hopefully the new mayor of Florida, who knows, but to have Titus with me, we're coming in wide open, guns a-blazing, to show everybody that the Super Bowl was cool. But WrestleMania is the greatest show in the world. We are so excited, brother. For me, in my hometown, this tops my career off like I never thought it would be topped off. As somebody who's lived your career in front of live crowds all over the globe, obviously we're coming off the heels of, of this pandemic and no live audience for WWE fans or any fans around the world. How important is it for you and, and from your love for this business 
for WrestleMania to be the first event where fans are allowed back to see WWE do what they do best? I mean, this is a huge statement. I mean, WWE, once again, raising the bar on how things should be played out from this point on. Um, I was devastated last year. You know, I, I talked to the, the upper hierarchy there at the WWE, and they asked me to host WrestleMania last year. Everything went awry. Gronk did a great job. But, I mean, as I watched it, there was like a hole in my heart because there was no crowd. Right. You know, it just it just was it was so different. You know, and I prayed that it would never happen again. So all of a sudden to be back out there in front of this crowd, that was my thing, man, to listen to the crowd, to, to feed off the crowd. I mean, everything that I ever did had to do with the crowd. I mean, you know, I didn't need to know anything else. So that crowd just makes Hulk Hogan go crazy. It makes Hollywood Hogan go crazy. And the WWE superstars raise the bar on their performance once they get in that ring in front of that crowd. So this is going to be off the charts, this WrestleMania. Corey, you, you and I have talked about it, and, and Hulk to join the conversation, April 10th and April 11th, the fact that the WWE Universe is back as soon as, you know, Hulk's music hits, as soon as the national anthem goes off, whatever it is, that crowd is going to be geeked up to like not even 10, like 15, 16. I mean, it's going to be an emotional day for everyone at WrestleMania. I, I can't wait to, to be there. Hulk, of course, you're going to be there as well. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be ultimate high for me because – I've lived here 67 years. You know, I'm not some newcomer that just moved here 20 years ago. I mean, I've been here and I've seen all the changes. And these people know me. They know my history. They know the good and they know the bad. You know, and they know that I'm just a normal guy here running around Tampa. And at the end of the day, you know, the scars and everything I've been through, these people in Tampa know me. So, I mean, this really is a bolt for the WWE. That's what I'm praying for. You know, Vic, I hope it's just so intense that it blows everybody away, including Vince McMahon. I have no doubt you guys will succeed in that department. Talk to me a little bit about having Titus as your co-host. Titus, for a lot, a lot of people don't realize how much work in the community Titus O'Neill puts in around the Tampa area. You said maybe the next mayor or governor of Florida. I mean, Titus, Titus has, has got that sort of stroke around the Tampa Bay area. Uh, what, what do you know about the good that Titus has done for the community? But it's, it's more than stroke. I mean, he, he's he's the bomb.com, brother. He's he's uh, this is for real. I mean, you know, I got started back. Uh, well, I started in the boys club when I was a kid. I was chasing my older brother around who got me in a bunch of trouble. And my dad snatched me away from him and stuck me in the boys club. And when I started working with the boys club again um, through the WWE, I got to work hand in hand with Titus. I mean, this brother is for real. I mean, there's no holes in his boat. There's no agenda. I mean, he's straight up actually cares about these kids and about people. So to watch him in this, you guys don't see it all the time, but I live here and this is 24 seven. He's not messing around. He works with the community. He works with the town. I mean, he's involved in every aspect of making life better around the Tampa Bay area. So, I mean, for me to live here and see the local news and see the stuff that he does, it's just amazing. I wish we had about 10,000 more just like him. The world would be a much better place. <laughs> Ain't kidding, man. Wow. So, yeah, totally agree on that point. Well, we're celebrating all things WrestleMania, and we're all excited about WrestleMania 37. But if you'd be so kind to indulge us, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane to some of the countless moments of Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. I'm sure you've got a few tales in the tank for us. Uh, from the very beginning, it's, it's been covered many, many times. Yourself, Mr. T against Piper and Orndorff, main event of WrestleMania 1. 
and I, I alluded to it at the top, but that night when you're in the ring, you've got, you know, Piper, Orndorff, Mr. T around you, who was on fire, megastar at the time. Could you feel back then that WrestleMania was going to blow up like it has today? Well, it was roll the dice. I mean, the backstory is just so intense getting to that moment, which almost didn't happen in the ring with the crowd in the building. It almost didn't happen. The backstory was, oh, yeah, Hulkamania is running wild. Vince came back and plucked me out of Minnesota after his dad for doing the Rocky movie. All the old backstory everybody knows. And, you know, Hulkamania was running wild. So, hmm, what should we call this wrestling event? Oh, how about Hulkamania? Oh, wait, how about WrestleMania? Oh, that's a great idea, brother. So, anyway, the backstory to get to WrestleMania was dealing with Orndorff and Piper. Back then, you know, um, for these guys, um, they didn't want an actor in the ring with them. I mean, that was during the time when I went to Philadelphia to wrestle a Piper, called Vince, and I'd go, hey, okay, what do you want me to do? Vince would say, well, come up with another finish that works, but let Piper know if he doesn't want to do business, instead of getting the payoff for that sellout house, we'll put somebody else in his place next month. So I'd go to the guys and say, okay, you don't want to put me over. It's not my call. It's the office's call. You don't want to put me over. Here's a count out. Here's something else we do. God, I wish we could have come back two or three times, but now I know. Vince is going to go with somebody else. So all that was part of the the way things were back then. Right. Everyone had to protect everything. Oh, it was the fastest gun, brother. It, it, that's how it was. Piper said it best. It was the fastest gun. And so you've got your guaranteed check every week, even if you got hurt and you're sitting at home or they take your tag team partner away and he's working here or not. You didn't get paid if you didn't work. Sure. So that whole mentality was part of WrestleMania 1. They didn't want to put us over. They basically... I was so worried about it. I thought they were going to hurt him and try to break his leg or something in the ring. So T came and, and we kind of worked out there a couple of times and Orndorff and Piper were just not having it. I mean, it was just really a rough go. And then all of a sudden as the buildings packed in the Mr. T disappeared for before WrestleMania. And when we finally found him, we were standing at the Helmsley Palace. He goes, I'm asleep in the park. With my people, I was sleeping in the park with the bums. My people get my head right. I go, man, you scared us. You've been gone two or three days. We had the same agent, Peter Young, me and Mr. T did. Okay. So now we got him back. Vince is going, where is he at? Where is he at? Where is he at? It's about four o'clock. All of a sudden, the limo pulls in, and they come to me. And they go, he's leaving the building. He's going to leave. I said, oh, my gosh, if he leaves, he's not going to come back. I went running down that driveway. He had like, he had like 15 people with him. In a big white limo, he had his girlfriend, his friends, her friends, and they were trying to get them all in the garden. So I told the cops, guys, let them in. You know, so we got them all in the garden. I sat like a watchdog staring at him for about four hours before it was time to go to the ring because I thought if he disappeared on me, he might sneak out. But he was not. He felt the animosity. He felt that Piper and Orndorff were not happy about this whole situation. That was, that was the backstory. Now, when we got in the ring, it was insane because I went to start the match out. People were yelling and screaming, yelling and screaming. We did that tag where when the other guy tags in, the other guy comes in. So if you watch the tape back, he puts Piper on his shoulders for a fireman's carry, dumps him, does a couple sit outs. And then if you watch him on the apron, he's like, the nerve, the nerve, you know what I'm saying, brother? Yeah. Um, they get. Bob Orton hit somebody warned off with the cast. I don't remember if I pinned him or T pinned him, but that was crazy. This question you answered me, I'm sorry about the backstory, but the question you answered. No, it's all right. I appreciate it. Once we got in the ring 
and I felt that electricity because I had that Hulkamania thing rocking back then. When I felt how intense that was, I knew that Vince's gamble, rolling the dice, betting everything he had, he just basically was all in. And if this thing sunk, it was over. I knew he made the right decision as soon as I got in that ring, brother. It was electric. It was crazy. Billy Martin, Liberace, Muhammad Ali. It was off the chain. One of one of the greatest days of my life. Well, I think that's why Graves are wearing that Ali jacket right now. You kind of did that osmosis that wasn't an style. Accident. <laughs> it was not an accident. I know you too well. You had this plan since the beginning, dude. <laughs> but yeah. you, you know, to, you can never stop being a fan, right? <laughs> you can't. And you know, Hulk. You talk about WrestleMania one. I, I got to be honest. You said Hulkamania was rocking then. Hulkamania is still rocking today. And it was rocking to WrestleMania two. And this was the interesting thing for WrestleMania two that I want to ask you about. That was when WrestleMania was in three different cities. Yeah. You know, how much pressure was it then to know that, well, when, when we get to, it was you and uh, King Kong Bundy inside a steel cage, that they've already had City 1, City 2, the Battle Royal with the NFL stars, you know, how to be different. Because I would feel that there's even more pressure at WrestleMania 2 to make it bigger than WrestleMania 1. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're talking about I went on last after the other two cities. Yeah. Well, you know what, I was kind of like, my whole career when I was wrestling full-time was kind of like that. You know, we didn't have the old school rules that, hey, if, if Shawn Michaels uses a super kick, nobody else does. You know, Hulk Hogan does the leg drops. Kind of rules were in place. So there were steel chairs in the first match. People were doing leg drops. So no matter what anybody did before me, my mindset was always to really put the gas pedal down, to really dig and to listen to that crowd to really listen to that crowd and make sure whatever that crowd wanted, I would be a step ahead of everybody else that had already done their thing. So there was a huge amount of pressure because as you notice, we only did that one time. It was really, really hard to hurt all the squirrels in, if you know what I'm saying, yeah. from the cable accesses. It just wasn't like the network arenas that were rented out. It was, I don't know what you, oh, I don't know what Closed circuit television. Yeah, closed circuit. Yeah, this, people were in the spectrum and the signal went down. They almost had a riot in the spectrum. I mean, it was insane the way things were going. But that pressure that I had with Bundy in that steel cage, because him and I both were very limited, you know, on what 100 and something pounds and, and me wrestling as Hulk Hogan. So we were kind of like, we weren't boxed in, but I felt that the angle was so strong. If somebody's really, really over like The Rock, all you got to do is look at the crowd and it's there. But if, that, but if that person's not really, really over, I may have to dig for five, six, seven minutes to get get it get it percolating where I, where I need it to be. But when I stepped in that ring with Bundy, brother, it was there. It was there, and it was one of the easiest matches I've ever had. He was so heavy-footed, every time he kicked you, thought like he was kicking his shoe through your ribcage. But <laughs> it was a fun match. You, you keep talking about the importance of the crowd engagement and, and few people throughout the history of our business have mastered it quite like you do. I had John Cena on this podcast a few months ago and he said uh, he credited some of the superstars of the past for teaching him to play jazz as he spoke it. Who would yeah. you credit with helping teach you the, the importance of, of listening to a crowd in a match? Andre. Andre. Okay. Andre pretty much raised me. I'm really? Not, I think I'm his illegitimate son. But <laughs> I mean, you know, going back... When I first started, I wrestled the high school stadium in Dothan, Alabama with Andre sold out. I mean, I wrestled at the Dothan Farm Center with Andre sold out. Wherever Andre went, it sold out. 
and you know, they told us to finish. Of course, I was getting a big foot and then he'd jump his butt on me and squash me. But I would always say, Hey, you know, boss, what do you want to do in there? Don't worry. <laughs> you know, then I would, then I'd about 10 or 15 minutes later, you know, I'd say, Hey, Andre, is there anything special you want to do in there? Don't worry. You know? And so he made me just not worry about my next move or, okay, after the drop kick, I need to leapfrog and drop down, roll out to two arm drags, run around, kick. I didn't have to worry about all these spots and stuff. I had to listen to the crowd about creating emotion, about commitment and energy. So Andre kind of never my whole career wanted to talk about a match. The one time that we did was when I split and I went to WCW for about nine years and we were trying to put WWE out of business came back, you know, then said, you know, I want you to, to, to wrestle the rock and, and, you know, things are different now, Terry. So if you're going to come back and wrestle the rock, you better bring it. You know, so I said, okay, I'll bring it. <laughs> so it was kind of weird because, you know, Pat Patterson and Vince, they hadn't seen me wrestling so long. They set up a ring down in Miami, you know? And so when I went down to Miami, the rock was there, Pat Patterson and Rocky Johnson, the rock's father was there. And so as The Rock was walking around the ring, you know, and he was like the main guy back then was Stone sure, Cold. Sure. He was walking around kind of telling me, what do you want to do with the match? I'm going, wow, man. Then they wanted us to go through the match. I said, there's no way. There's no way I can go through the match. If I fall down in here with no people, I'll get hurt. <laughs> no substitute for that adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. back. I mean, these guys are doing it nowadays. I don't know how they do it. I, I could never do it. So as we were walking through the match, you know, Dwayne's father, I go, Logan, Dwayne, listen to Hogan. I kept my mouth shut, but, you know, I, I talked to Rocky. I said, Rocky, you know, Dwayne's father, I said, brother, what if we go out and we do this and people fart at it? Or what are we going to do? Are we going to keep doing this if it's not working? And, you know, Rocky, Dwayne's father, said, don't worry, Dwayne will follow you. So as soon as we went out to the uh, Sky Dome, Sorry, I could have called it the Silver Dome or the Super Dome. <laughs> you, you got it right that time. <laughs> yeah, as soon as we went out to the, the Sky Dome, um, I came out and the rock started on me the way he, he, he said he wanted to, and they started booing him out of the building. And oh my God, I said, and then we did another thing and I blocked something or whatever happened. I nailed him. As soon as I nailed him, they went crazy. So, you know, I just told him, I said, bro, just slow this thing down. <laughs> thumb in the eye or to the throat, whatever I did. It took me about four or five minutes to sing where it needed to be, but I almost tried to do what we talked about. It would have been a nightmare. You know, you got to listen to that crowd. You know, you got to wrestle with your ears and your heart. You got to listen to that crowd and listen with your heart, but that's Andre's the one that, that taught me to do that. You know, Hawk, you talk about so many of these moments, just listening to the crowd and talking about taking on Andre WrestleMania 3 and The Rock. Have you ever heard a crowd or experienced a crowd like you did that night against The Rock in Toronto? No. Um, the, the Ultimate Warrior was intense, you know. For some reason, that building, you know, the Sky Dome and the fact that there were so many Hogan fans there and there were so many Rock fans there, it was just like the perfect storm of like a, a hurricane and a tornado and a tidal wave and a tsunami all coming together in the building. The energy level was totally crazy because it was in a controlled environment. I don't know what would have happened if the, the Pontiac Silverdome, where there were 94,000 people, if you could have squeezed the people entire because, because I just remember 
in the middle of the match when they were going again. It was like again. It was like a wave, right? Because the sound has to bounce everywhere. It's kind of like when you sing a national anthem and there's that delay. Yeah. You know when you're singing? That's kind of like when they said Hogan, there was a delay in the building. It felt like a slow rolling wave. So, I mean, that was intense too. But to answer your question without going too far off the course, that crowd, that intensity, I have never experienced anything like it except the next night in Montreal. (laughs) Oh, that's right. The next night in Montreal, brother. It was, I know I've seen the footage. I know I've seen how it's been cut up and put together, but I don't really, they say, oh, it was a 10-minute standing ovation. There was eight minutes. There was 12 minutes. It was crazy how long I was out there. And I don't really know how long it was, but that was intense too. So then a couple of really wild experiences when I came back to the WWE. We've seen the footage a million times, the, the opening moments of you versus Rock at WrestleMania 18. What was going through Hulk Hogan's head in that moment when you two were staring, looking at the crowd? I tried to tell you guys, you told me to bring it. Well, if I bring it, you're going to be asking me to take it back, brother. (laughs) That's what I was thinking, you know, and and stuff that wasn't planned. Like when I gave him the big push off and he took this crazy, I don't know if he's going to take that bump. He took crazy ass over tea kettle bump, ended up in the corner on his knees with his eyeballs like that. Then I stuck my hand on it. Boom, boom. That's stuff you, you know, you know, you know, the guy's character, he knows your character. And then when they were booning him, he punched me in the corner. He did the ear thing, you know, yeah. so all that extra stuff. That's when we started free flowing in there, you know, and we actually started listening to the crowd. That's the type of stuff that happens that you don't get anywhere else unless you really understand what this art form is all about. All right. Since we're recording this on Monday, it is 34 years to the day of the iconic moment, the scene of Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant in front of 93,000 people, Pontiac Silverdome. Looking back at that day now, 37 years later, what are your memories and what does that night mean to you? The biggest memory of all is sitting in that dressing room probably for 10 hours, 11 hours with him and not knowing what the finish of the match was. They, I had no idea he was going to put me over. You know, I've told the story where Vince came to my room and I did something I've never done before. Andre had some major, major back problems. And, you know, I did the DDP thing. I took out the yellow legal pad and I went argue back and forth. I push him. He throws the punch. I block it. One, two, three. I go to slime. He falls back on top of me. I actually wrote out the Hulk Hogan plan A match. You know, there's a plan B and plan C, just a standard procedure to get to a return or a cage or a count out. I had all these little formulas. If I needed them, whether I was working with somebody that would wrestle like Horndorf or whether I was working with somebody like the one man gang who was a gimmick or Kamala that was a gimmick. But I wrote out a plan A for me and Andre. I'd been around him so much and I knew him so well. I you know laid out that little plan A where after I fell backwards with him, he slammed me once. The second time he slammed me and walked over my back. And I wrote that out. I told Vince, I said, if you tell him I wrote this out, he's going to kill me. <laughs> he's going to kill me. So Vince left with my yellow legal pad that night. Now I've said, okay, this could be the ruin. If, if Vince smartens him up with what I've done, I'm dead. I'm completely dead. So I sat next to him all day on the locker room. Nothing was ever said about it. And the weirdest thing was, boss, you know, uh, any idea what we're doing? Don't worry. Hey, boss, uh, what do you think? Me up, you down? You know, don't worry. Oh, I said, hey, you know, if we get going in there, 
You think maybe I could try to get you up? Don't worry. So now I'm a nervous wreck, okay? I'm sitting next to him. He's got two fists of Crown Royal. He's drinking <laughs> Crown Royal. He's pulling me shots when he's not looking. I'm pulling him over my shoulder. Because if I can, I'll never make it to the ring. Forget it. You know, so I'm watching him drinking these two bottles of Crown Royal. He's in a great mood. He's praying cribbage with Rene Goulet. I'm going, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. If, if he knows what I did, he's going to kill me. So we went out to the ring. I started arguing with him. I started arguing with him. He throws the punch. I block it. One, two, three punches. I go to slam him. He falls on top of me. But I fell close to the ropes because I knew he couldn't get up on his own. Okay. One, two, almost three. I barely, he was so heavy. I, I barely almost got counted out then accidentally because Vince told everybody to count through. None of this, oh, waiting for somebody to kick right. out. He out through. If you get counted out, too bad. And I barely get out from under him. He was so heavy. He was on his knees. He goes, two. You know, he goes, three. The referee goes, two. Rodney goes, three. So he crawled up the ropes. Then he picked me up and slammed me once, slammed me again, walked on my back. And I said, that son of a gun is going by what I wrote Vince. And he's not pissed off. He actually was going. That whole match that we did, I wrote out for him. And Vince must have told him. And he followed it pretty close. So I was like, okay, I'm cool. So you had that moment in the middle of the match. You you went, oh, my God, this epiphany. And uh, then finally he called for the slam. You know, slam in the middle of the match. I went, what? He goes, slam. I went, okay. You know, I did the best <laughs> I could to get him up. And then I dropped the leg on him. I, didn't think, I thought he was going to kick out. I fully anticipated him kicking out. I had no idea he was going to stay down. Totally blew my mind. But that's kind of like what went down. That's the kind of – stuff that happened back in the day man it's just craziness the wild west man i think i know the answer to this but from the opinion of hulk hogan without andre the giant at wrestlemania 3 does hulkamania achieve the heights that it does and does wrestlemania continue to grow to the magnitude that it did you know what um when i left minnesota i had this hulkamania thing rocking i had it rocking when i came in to wrestle the iron sheik there were 444 American hostages being held in Iran. Once again, it was a perfect storm. I mean, he was the real deal. Kaz was the actual bodyguard. I don't know if you guys really know that. Yes, yes. I got to spend some time with Sheik over there. He was legit. He was a legit badass in every sense. He was the real deal, and people knew it. So that perfect storm was like just a, putting a rocket on my back. And I know Hulkamania would have ran wild and ran wild, but to go in front of 94,000 people, with Andre the Giant, who had never been defeated. And by this time, we'd become friends. Because the first five, six years, he could not stand me. I mean, he hated my guts because I was whacked in the head when I was younger. <laughs> I was bigger than him. I, I was 340, 345 pounds, just all jacked up, trying to you know be another giant, thinking I could actually beat him. I was crazy when I was younger. And he just biatch slapped me till I straightened out, <laughs> you know? And finally, I just got tired of getting beat up every night. And I started doing what he told me. And then he started liking me. And we spent so much time together in Japan on the bus. You know, I, I would sit in front of him and it was hard for him to get up and down. So I'd get him water or get him beers or get him whatever he wanted, you know. And, and, I, and I did it because I loved the guy. But he didn't like me at first. But for him to pass that torch to me, I mean, it etched i mean it etched without a doubt the wwe in stone man that we were here to stay and if it, i i think we'd have been okay but for some reason what andre did for the business and what andre did for me made it so much easier for all of us i mean he really made us a player 
in the whole world stage of entertainment, man. It, it, it was just, I, I, none of us could ever thank him enough for what he did. Well, Hawk, you talk about WrestleMania three with, with Andre and it, it would go through annals four, five, six. It would continue to grow all the way to WrestleMania nine. And you got a very young Vic Joseph in a lot of trouble with my mother Uh-oh. because my mom, my mom had a six string pearl necklace passed down from generations. And I was a little Hulkamaniac and I took those pearls on that necklace and ripped them apart. Oh my stuck God. them under the couch. She was yelling at me. She was yelling at you, but here's the payoff. She ended up having to work a convention around that time in Las Vegas. So she put money in your pocket, put money in <laughs> WWE's pocket because she bought me all the Hulk Hogan merchandise. So I wouldn't ruin any more of her stuff. And I finally got my official Hulk Hogan shirt at WrestleMania nine. So that's my biggest WrestleMania nine memory. Wow, that's strong, brother. Why would you rip her jewelry apart? What's wrong with you? I didn't know. I was trying to be you. I I mean, I I wasn't taking vitamins. As you can see by my arms, they are like garden snakes, not pythons. So the only thing I could do was rip a garbage bag. And I thought, man, there's my mom's necklace. Hulk Hogan wears a necklace. Vic, if if you learned anything from from Hulk himself, it's when someone tears your chain, you have to fight them at WrestleMania. I'm not going to hit my mom, Corey. What are you talking about? Hey, listen, I don't know. I don't know. There, there are different options. I'm not. I'm just saying you might have missed out on That's a big. It's not payday. a very good option, but anyways, you know what? Actually, now that you're thinking about it, my mom wanted to kick my ass, so she probably would have wanted to put me at WrestleMania. Vicomania, the options are you tear your mother's jewelry, she's going to kick your ass. Yeah, she wanted to whoop my ass. She was calling you and I every name in the book, but I finally got my Hulkamania shirt on that night. So I actually want to thank you uh, for that. If my mom ever listens to this, she's probably going to start yelling at me again. But that takes us to WrestleMania nine, and that to me is probably the second or third time that Hulkamania stood out because I was so young. What was that night in Las Vegas? Can you walk us through everything that happened in WrestleMania nine? Dude, that was so crazy. Oh my gosh. You got to hear the backstory. So we're, we're over in the UK and 10 day tour in the UK. I come back home and my ex-wife is gone with the kids. They're out visiting in Los Angeles, her mother, you know, because I was in, the UK on tour. So she took the kids to LA to visit her family. So I get home to Clearwater. Nobody's home. So what do I do? Hey guys, come on over, you know? So I like the boys, <laughs> Ellis, Ellis Edwards, you know, Ellis. okay. We know Ellis very well. Yeah. And Brutus and, and Mach. Okay. So here we go. I used to keep four, I used to keep four seeds behind my house. And I mean, there's a crazy storm coming in and here we go out, take out on those jet skis. Now, I had these Sea-Doo's, and uh, all of a sudden, I switched uh, a, from one of my jet skis to this other guy's jet ski that he had. I don't, I don't remember what kind it was, but it was a, a quicker jet ski, and it had trim tabs on it. So you could make the front end come up or the front end go down. And as we're going through the Clearwater Pass, we're jumping these crazy waves in this storm. And Brutus takes off going straight ahead. Macho takes off going straight ahead. And Ellis is kind of sticking with me, you know. And so as I jump this wave, I get thrown over the front of the ski and I got a life jacket on. So as I go into the water, I try to duck down underwater, but that damn life jacket brought me back up and the jet ski hit me in the face. Oh, oh. but now I'm face down in the water, knocked out. Guess who pulls me out? Ellis. Really? Completely knocked out face down in the water. I would have drowned except for Ellis pulled my big ass out of the water, pulled me on the back of the ski Got me over to the beach over there at Shepherds. I don't know if you know where Shepherds yeah, is. Yeah, I know where Shepherds is, yeah. My whole eye is just blasted open. My orbital socket's broken because that 600-pound jet ski hit me right in the face. Oh, Now I call Jimmy Hart. 
My wife's not out of town. Jim, I get from the emergency room. I get all stitched up. I have this two hour operation, you know, try to fix my orbital socket. Jimmy Hart comes over. Oh my God. Oh my God, baby, baby. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Vince is going to kill you. You know, <laughs> so I go to Vegas. Vince sees me and he goes, you're not wrestling. That's it. And I said, BS. I said, if I pass a physical, I'm going to wrestle. So I actually wrestled, you know, my eye socket was completely shattered. I wrestled the tag match with IRS and Ted. They didn't touch my face. And then, you know, I got to wrestle Yokozuna, but that was the backstory of that crazy night. Shortly thereafter, a few months after that WrestleMania, you would find uh, a new chapter of your career in WCW. Now, obviously, you were focusing on making WCW everything that it could be and growing Hulkamania, growing WCW. Did you keep an eye on WrestleMania? Did you keep an eye on WWE at the time while you were working for the competition, while you were the competition? Yeah, I did. I did, you know, but it was a, it was just such a rough time in the business, you know. It was, right. it was really uh, a, a tough time, you know. Late 80s, early 90s, uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with uh, the company, with Vince. And, uh, you know, I was done. I, I, I wasn't going to wrestle. You know, I went down, I started shooting, and I was partners with the Baywatch guys. And uh, Hasselhoff had, there were four partners, Burke, Schwartz, and Bonin that produced Baywatch. Hasselhoff was the fourth guy. So I took his position, a 25% position, and we were producing Sheena and Thunder in Paradise. Okay. So I spent, I was shooting a one hour action show, which should have taken about nine days to shoot, but we were shooting it in six days. I, I would start at five in the morning and would not even get done till eight o'clock at night. I actually was living in Orlando. I couldn't even get home to see my kids. It was 10 times worse than wrestling. You know, I lasted and I, and I swore I'd never wrestle again, you know, and uh, I lasted about a year and a half. And, um, all of a sudden, we're on one sound stage, and you know Hulk Hogan, Thunder in Paradise, and on the other sound stage was WCW. So when the people would take the backstage tours and they'd walk upstairs through the glass, they'd look down on the sound stage of WCW, and they go, "Where's Hulk Hogan at? Where's Hulk Hogan at?" And I guess Eric Bischoff and everybody there, Bill Shaw and everybody, must get driven crazy because all the people would hit their sound stage first on the walkthrough and say, "Where's Hulk Hogan?" and then they would come to the Thunder and Paradise set, which was my living room in my house. And usually I wouldn't be there. I'd be out diving in the ocean or diving in this pool or doing fight scenes or whatever. But we spent very little time on the set. So after about a year and a half, Eric Bischoff came over with Flair and uh, he said, hey, man, you know, uh, a lot of people are talking about you and, you know, you're not wrestling anymore. Are you interested in wrestling? And I said, hell yes. Hell yes. I've been beat up with those long days, but that was my whole goal. You know, and Vince and I had a disagreement. Vince McMahon, you know, had an opinion that Hulkamania had his run. And it actually went back to, what was Toronto with the Warrior? WrestleMania 6? Six? 6. Yes, WrestleMania and 6. It actually went back to WrestleMania 6. When he asked me to put the Warrior over, I said, no, that's no problem at all, brother. But my question always is, if I'm putting somebody over, what, what are we doing after that? Sure. sure and, that's... you know, there wasn't really a clear-cut answer for that. I said, well, how about this? When I put him over and I hand him the belt and I, and everybody's cheering for him, I get halfway down the aisle. How about I just turn around and go just grind him, you know, just drop him and just drag him around the ring and just crucify him. And I want to be Hollywood Hulk Hogan. All the way back to WrestleMania six. Yeah. 
I said, I want to be, I want to be Triple H, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the ultimate bad guy. And he goes, no, that'll never work. I said, Vince, I can be a bad guy. I used to be a bad guy when I worked for your father. I know how to do it. And he goes, no, 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 that'll work. You know, this Hulkamania thing. I think you're, you just need to go ahead and slow things down. The red and yellow, you know, I was getting some booze and, you know, it was time for me to back down. But way before then, I wanted to turn heel, you know, and I mean, I, I just thought I could have held, had a hell of a run in WWE as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But Vince and I had a disagreement. So finally, a few years later, I went ahead and did my thing and left. But when I went to WCW, that was my whole plan was to, you know, come in as Hulk Hogan, do the red and yellow thing. And when things if things didn't work out, I'd, I was going to switch right away. Yeah. But when I went in, things took off. And it took a couple of years for that Hulk Hogan thing to get old. And then, of course, when Hall and Nash came in, I was on the fence about teaming up with guys because I never really teamed up with guys. And Eric kept asking me if I wanted to do this gimmick. I'm like, ah, brother, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know who these brothers are. And, you know, I don't know what their deal is as far as their work ethic and where their heads are at. I don't even know these guys. They're from Shawn Michaels' clique, you know. And I really wasn't part of that deal. That was a whole other era. And so once they came in, and I was shooting a movie out in California. I think it was, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Santa with Muscles. Okay. Actually watch out with my kids a few weeks ago, believe it or not. If you if you get a royalty check from the Google Play Store, it's from me. <laughs> it was one of the all-time great. <laughs> but uh, I started watching what they were doing. And then I saw the response again, and it looked like a shoot. Everybody in WCW thought this was really WWE talent. Yeah. In, under contract just to take us on, not take us on, but take on, you know, the WCW. And I saw, you know, um, Scott come in and then I saw big Kev come in. I called Eric right away. I said, I'm in. And he goes, good. Cause I was just getting ready to get sting to do it. I'm like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> Brother, I'm the guy. Right, right, right. It's, it's one of those, and that's one of those moments Hulk, and Corey and I always talk about it on this show suspending belief like we just want to believe as wrestling fans and in that moment you see hall and you see nash and it's kind of like no and i remember sitting there because that was my birthday present was bash at the beach and that happened i went oh and i was so angry and all my friends were but we believed that there was just this invasion going on and you said it earlier the perfect storm and it was another perfect storm for hulk hogan yeah and and the thing was you know I told these guys, I said, this is either going to be the greatest thing we've ever done or we're going to poop in the bed on this one because it's going to go one way or the other because it was just a real simple deal. I came down and, you know, the one thing, the one thing I jumped Heenan on was as I'm going to the ring, you know, all of a sudden Heenan goes, but whose side is he on? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Why would you say that? Right. right. You know? At what point? Did, why would you have doubted Hogan to that point? I agree. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's get ourselves over here. You know, <laughs> I, I gave, I gave Heenan all kind of crap for that. But once I dropped that leg on much and they started throwing stuff yeah. and I, I went out there and I said, I was selling out the world when you guys were bumming gas to get to high school and that no good Eric Bischoff, if it wasn't for Hollywood Hulk Hogan, he'd still be selling meat out of a truck in Minnesota. I was shooting, brother. Sure. I was shooting with all that stuff. You had your doubts as to whether or not it was going to work out. I'd say it worked out fairly well for all yeah. of you. You've got the <laughs> NWO being inducted as a, in, a member of the class of 2020 in the, the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, Eric Bischoff is the class of 2021. So I'd say it worked out pretty well for all parties involved. <laughs> yeah, brother, that was a really cool run because, you know, 
I tried to be snidely whiplash. I tried to everything I learned from everybody from Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens to get in and just grind people. And then when they start coming up, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'd never do it again. I, everything that Pat taught me, you know, when I was breaking into Florida, you know, I saw these guys work back in the day. Nobody was doing that chicken heel stuff, you know, I was just backpedaling, backpedaling. But if you beat me, ah, he couldn't beat me on his best day. I've never lost a match. I mean, just lie your ass off, you know, in the classic, Ventura line, win if you can, lose if you must, but always, always cheat. <laughs> I was living by that. And, it, and the more evil stuff me and Kevin Scott did, the more they cheered us. It got crazy. I mean, everything got blurry. Lines got blurry. The good guys were the bad guys. Goldberg and Sting and everybody were complaining like hell. We were getting cheered. They were getting booed. It got crazy. You know, And, and Hulk, during that time, and, and Graves kind of alluded to this earlier, while you were in WCW joining the NWO and you're keeping your eyes and your tabs on WrestleMania, is there anyone in that period of time you look back and go, man, I wish I would have had person X at WrestleMania? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I came back. I mean, I, I, I had all my – I mean, we were on fire there at WCW for a long time. There are a lot of reasons it, it went awry. You know, you can't blame just one person, but once – it was just a weird deal. It's not like Vince is in control and Vince runs everything. At WCW, all of a sudden, we started doing good. Then Ted Turner wanted input. He wanted to tell us how to do wrestling. And then Bill Shaw and, you know, and Harvey Schiller, the president of Turner Sports, well, he wanted to do this with wrestling. All of a sudden, we got like eight or nine people in the executive tower coming down and telling us how to run the wrestling business, you know? And it, it just, there were so many mixed signals and it got really convoluted, you know? that it just got watered down. But the whole time I was keeping a good eye, you know, on the WWE because I was hoping maybe someday I could come in and rebuild that bridge, you know, someday maybe I could come back, you know? And, uh, it was just, it was just crazy when I got the call to Vince, you know, about coming in to work with the rock. I said, okay, this is it. You know, I'm going to put my good boy pants on. And he wanted us to come in as the NWO, the poison, you know, which was right down our alley because we were the poison. And uh, once we came in, my whole goal was to tear the house down with the rock. I didn't know he was going to split and, you know, do movies and stuff. I thought he'd be around for a while. But my whole goal was to have that run with the rock. And then I wanted to focus on Stone Cold because as a heel, I could have put him over everywhere if they were to put the belt back on me. He could have chased me, and like Stone Cold said, if there's money to be made, let's make it, brother. And that was my goal, was to get him, you know, in that Hulk Hogan zone and make him realize that, you know, because he had, he had, he'd been beat up pretty bad with his neck and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I just wanted to realize that the way you go to the ring and the way you feel is the same way you're going to feel when you get done working with me on the way back. Now, I'm not going to – it's going to be nice and easy, brother, but we're going to tear the place down. My whole goal was to get him corralled and have that run, but it never happened. Well, so you were actually looking forward to and planning ahead as Hollywood Hulk Hogan in WWE, but then the match with The Rock happened and it kind of switched. Was was there ever a plan down the road in your mind to to bring back the red and yellow to return to the classic Hulk Hogan, or did it kind of force your hand that night in, in Toronto? My hand was forced, brother. And truth be told, I almost missed the um, Monday Night Raw in Montreal because. 
for whatever reason, I mean, if you go back and listen to that crowd, it was kind of like 50, 50, but as oh, the yeah. match went along, if you really listen to who they were cheering for, it, it gets a little sketchy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> close attention. I came, out, I came out of that ring. Vince goes, where's your red and yellow stuff? I'm out of with me. He goes, I said, it's in Tampa. He goes, I'm sending somebody to get it. I said, no. I said, you'll never find it. I said, it's just, I got this crazy 22,000 square foot house. It's packed away. And plus the stuff I need, I got specifics. Just can't grab a pair of yellow boots and tights and a headband. There's stuff that fits me right. And it doesn't fit me right. You know? Right. Vince put me on. He used to have a challenger before he got the, the new plane. I don't know yeah. if you remember the challenger he had. He put me on that challenger. I flew back that night. Um got the red and yellow stuff and flew back and I was the last plane to land in Montreal. They had Holy a snowstorm that night and I barely got in under the radar with all wow. my stuff. And I didn't, I don't, I don't think I used it that night. I think it was, uh, I can't remember when it was, but he wanted me to go get the stuff and bring it back. But so you, you know. tore the house down with the rock. Then he said, go on a plane. You flew on a plane, <laughs> went to Tampa, unpacked half your house to try to find the right gear, got back on a plane, had to fight through a snowstorm, landed, and then that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is wild. Yeah, and I can't remember when he made me put the red and yellow on or I can't remember when it was because it seems like that next night in Montreal I did the interview and the NWO stuff. But I blew home that night to get the red and yellow stuff and came back and barely made it to Montreal. It was crazy. Oh, it could have been. It's it's always funny to look back and say, you know, oh, well, had this happened, had these circumstances <laughs> lined up, all these crazy dream scenarios, and we go, well, we were closer to it than we thought. Yeah, off completely off the subject. The one thing that I think would have really could have had a heck of a run, but that's just my opinion, and nobody else apparently had the same opinion, was that Mister America character. I thought the Mister America was was genius at the time. I thought because I'd watched Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes and the Midnight Rider. Yes, exactly. I grew up watching that crap, bro. And I knew exactly how to work that gimmick. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, me me being the horse's ass that I am, we did the arm wrestling thing with Zach Gowan and we did all the different stuff and the, the character was getting over like crazy. Then all of a sudden we have a six-man tag in the garden, me, Kurt Angle, the big show. I can't remember who all was in it. And they get to finish and they're beating Mr. America. And I'm going, why would you beat Mr. America who's getting red hot? It's a gimmick finish anyway. Yeah. Total gimmick. And so like a horse's ass, after I did the one, two, three, I pulled the mask up and showed my face, which was totally unprofessional, you know, totally unprofessional, bad move. But I just knew they weren't going to do anything with the gimmick from that point on. But I think that gimmick could have had a crazy run. Indulge, indulge us a little bit. What sort of plans or future did you see in mind for Mr. America? Oh, dude, I thought, you know, there were so many guys, you know, we had we had a bunch of guys that were big, you know, that we could have put the Mr. America mask on other other guys, you know, with the mustache and done the whole thing. It's just like, God, it's, it's a long story, but there was a bunch of stuff going on in Florida with Dusty Rhodes and a guy named Paul Jones and Paul yeah. Jones is on a Hawaiian shirt all the time and screw all Dusty's matches up. Well, the night that Dusty wrestled Paul Jones, someone else showed up in the Hawaiian shirt. It was me when I first started and I learned from these guys that as long as you got to cover the bodies up a little bit, we could have put the America, Mr. America hood on people and do a bunch of different stuff. But from what I saw with the midnight rider, I thought this thing could have had another Hulkamania run. That's how big I thought it could be, but that's just, 
my opinion, you know, that's, and, you know, me not being in control, it's just, you know, it's, it was just my opinion, but I really thought that thing would have worked. Very, very interesting. I don't think in a million years I ever would have thought that was that was the the one thing that Hulk Hogan didn't get to accomplish that uh, that sticks with you. That's that's absolutely wild. While you're giving opinions, I want to get your opinion. We're going to fast forward a little bit. WrestleMania 37, two nights from the Raw side of things. We got Bobby Lashley defending his WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre from the SmackDown side. Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Edge, the two World Championships. This is Hulk Hogan territory all day. What are you most looking forward to and who's impressing you most present day? Well, you know, Bobby, he's, uh, you know, his accolades are a mile long. <laughs> you know, he's the real deal, brother. I mean, he's, he's, he's the real badass. You know, I'm really, really hooked on Drew McIntyre, bro. Just something about his presence, his intensity. He loves this business. He thinks wrestling 24 hours a day. I've been in his corner since day one. So I'm really, really hoping, you know, that, uh, that Drew steps up and things go his way, you know, as, as far, as far as the other main event, as far as the other main event that they turned that into a three-way. So that's kind of like jump ball time, you know, Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be pretty crazy, but you know, I think edge has made a heck of a, uh, a showing here as of late, you know, he looks like he's really hungry brother. And, uh, you know, my opinion, I'd love to see things go Edge's way. Very, very cool. I can't wait to see how this pans out. Nothing nothing from Daniel or, or Roman Reigns. I mean, you know, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, you know, I've been following him since he was a kid, man. You know, I just – I know how intense he is. But for some reason, when I saw Edge standing over both those guys last week with that chair, and I looked at his eyes, he looks like a bad, dangerous man right now. Well, the only thing I want to know, Graves, is, as you just mentioned, WrestleMania on the horizon coming up. When Hulk Hogan's out there with Titus O'Neil, are you going to be in the red and yellow or are you going to be in the black and white? Well, brothers, you can see Hollywood showed up today. That's not, <laughs> not a blemish on Hollywood's body. We still got the guns rocking here, brother. <laughs> Hollywood's here to get inducted to the NWO because true. you know the deal, brother. Too sweet. <laughs> the WrestleMania, brother, Tampa's own Hulk Hogan. There won't be any black beard. There won't be any stabbing in the back shenanigans. I'll be there with my man Titus. We'll be representing 100 all the way through. So it will be the red and yellow there. But, man, you just blew my gimmick, man. I wouldn't even tell anybody. No, I was actually <laughs> going to pitch you to come out a, 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 with your America stuff with, on with America. the mask and just do a big <laughs> swerve oh, on everybody. This is an opportunity, <laughs> We might have just come up with gold here. <laughs> hey, I just might come out as Hollywood with, with one of my NWO belts here, man. There you go. <laughs> oh, belts here. And, uh, we might have a third title match. I'll take on, I'll take getting a three-way take on the winners of the first two matches. Title. Match. I love it. I absolutely love it. Hulk, before we let you go, I know you're a busy guy. I have to ask, you've got a whole generation of Hulkamaniacs of WWE fans and fans around the globe that were raised on training, saying your prayers, taking your vitamins. We've all grown up now. Half of the business now are people who grew up watching and idolizing Hulk Hogan. What advice does present day Hulk Hogan have? for the Hulkamaniacs, for the fans, for the people? You know, it's it's a situation that when I started saying training prayers and vitamins added a fourth commandment, believe in yourself, you know, those things actually work. I know what it's like to stay on track. I know what it's like to take one of the side roads, brother, believe me. And as long as you stay on track and you stay centered, you know, you just really stay centered and focused. If you love this business, 
if this business is what you think about 24 hours a day, I don't know any other way to explain it, but that's always been in my blood that the wrestling does. I'll wake up at night thinking it finishes in a cold sweat, even now, you know, I mean, it's just crazy because once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. If you're one of those people and you really want this, if you really want to be a WWE superstar, the training prayers and vitamins actually works, but you got to believe in yourself. No matter how many times you get knocked down, get back up and keep moving forward. Because if you want it bad enough, just watch Daniel Bryan. Just watch Daniel Bryan. You can knock him down, crucify him, and I guarantee you, you will get up and keep moving forward. Believe in yourself and keep moving forward. That, that's what I would tell anybody who wants to be a huge, huge WWE superstar. Absolutely love it. Hulk, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the NWO being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Thank you. We, we cannot wait to see you at WrestleMania weekend, but I know there's going to be a lot of WWE fans in the Tampa Bay area. I think maybe they'd uh, want to take a little trip over to the Clearwater Beach area. Check out what you got happening in, in the beach. What's, what's going on in Hulk's world on Clearwater Beach these days? Well, when you come across Clearwater Beach, man, you're going to hit the roundabout. Turn right. And go right down Mandalay. I'm in Hulk Hogan's beach shop now. I got all the WWE merch. I got tons of Hulk Hogan merch, Hollywood Hogan merch. And then if you take 15 steps farther down, we got the greatest bar and restaurant, Hogan's Hangout, right on the corner here. So if you guys get bored while you're in, in the Tampa Bay area, come on over to Clearwater Beach. I'll be lurking around somewhere because I live about three minutes from here. So. That's the place to be, Hogan's Hangout and Hogan's Beach Shop right here in Clearwater. I might have to take you up on that, swing over, and uh, buy you a couple cold ones. Keep this wisdom happening, man. I could do this right. all day. I appreciate the time. Hey, man, you guys are so cool. Thank, thank you very much for having me. Much respect. Thanks, Hulk. Thank you, guys. You all right over there, Vic? I am so happy to kind of steal something from our guests last week. I am ready to go straight to the moon. Unbelievable. Absolutely awesome. That was so cool. You never get tired of, of hearing from Hogan. He's got Ooh. the best stories, man. I, can, I can't wait to see him WrestleMania week. And uh, I'm dead serious. Maybe if you, uh, if you find yourself some downtime, we can take oh, a trip I'll over, make to, time. over to Clearwater. Oh, I will make time. You tell me when, where, I'll drive you. I, I, we will make time to go to Hogan's Hangout. Right on. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. So this is the part of the show where I tell you to join the conversation using the hashtag after the bell. Follow the show at after the bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me at WWE Graves. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. Don't forget about ATB's WrestleMania week. If you're not already subscribe and follow ATB is going to be dropping exclusive content all week long starting Wednesday. If you're using Apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button. Throw us five stars. If you're on Android, ATBs on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts so that you never, ever miss an episode. So uh, if you want to keep up with all your favorite shows in the WWE Podcast Network, follow at WWE Podcasts on all your social media platforms. We'll be back next week with all types of WrestleMania deliciousness, a little more wisdom, a little more vitriol, and a lot more WWE after the bell.